Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the JersNet Weekly Podcast. And welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. We're back from a week off. It was international break, all that football that we really cannot be bothered with. Uh, Scotland and England and all that nonsense. I don't know about you guys, but this one seemed to go on for quite a while for me. It just seemed to be never ending. But back to the proper stuff this weekend. A uh, good result today at Hamilton. Disappointing performance. So we'll have a wee look at that. Uh, we'll have a wee preview of uh, the big game on Thursday night against Spartak Moscow. Uh, a, a wee peek at the, the semi-final against Aberdeen on Sunday. And we'll have a wee catch-up, obviously, because we've been off for a couple of weeks. We'll have a wee catch-up about some of the things that were, were happening while we were away. Obviously, there was a Paul Gascoigne thing with the Hall of Fame. Uh, Aberdeen <laughs> have proved themselves to be a proper diddy club with the ticket fiasco. And uh, BBC Scotland have been up to their usual tricks as well. So we'll have a wee look at some of those things. Uh, joining me tonight, we've got the two Davids and, and two of the guys that were here right at the very beginning when we started the podcast. It's David Tomlinson, or as he's known amongst us, Jers Netters. Pete, how are you doing, Pete? Yeah, doing fine, thanks. Good. How's it over in Germany? Yeah, it's still there. Ah, obviously, <laughs> I, I, I didn't think I'd disappear, Pete. <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the football this afternoon sort of put my mood a wee bit down, but... Uh, the result was okay, but the performance was it was it was ninety minutes of your life. You will never get back, really, wasn't it? You know, it was pretty bad <laughs> respect. Yeah. Uh, the result, I suppose, is the main thing. We got there in the end. Also joining us tonight is, as I said, fellow David is David Fraser, and a big thanks to David because he stepped in at the last minute to to bail us out. How are you doing, David? Not too bad, Colin. Good result today. Uh, pretty poor perform or average performance. Uh, but I no problem for stepping in, so looking forward to tonight and catching up. Yeah, it's, I think it's a minor miracle that this this podcast is happening with the the issues that we've <laughs> faced tonight. And, it, and and I had a, an issue myself. I had a strange incident with my printer, so I, I've, I've not got my usual prints because my printer's knackered. I had issues with it last week. My my, my sister-in-law, she, she's kind of looking for a new job now, so she was up and I was helping her with a CV. I tried to print a few copies off and it never printed them off. I've got right, fine, I'll fix that next week. Come up this week to print off all the stuff for the pod, and it prints off all the stuff for last week. <laughs> printed off our CV, about 20 copies of it, but didn't print off the pod stuff that I wanted. So it's just been an absolute disaster all day today. So we've done well to get the pod up and running. Disasters out the way, we'll look at the Hamilton game. Obviously, Rangers won 4-1 today. <laughs> A really, really poor performance on, I think, even Stephen Gerrard admitted that after the game. It was not the sort of performance he was looking for. But, you know, given that Celtic had won yesterday, Hearts had won, you know, Livingston, Kamala, you know, we're all we're, we're in that pack there. We needed the three points today and we got that uh, in the end with the 4-1 win. David, I'll come to you first on this one. I think you've maybe already answered it, but what did you make of the overall performance today? I thought it was average, Colin. Uh, like most people, um, you know, I wanted to impress with it, wasn't it? You know, it was... Wasn't it the greatest of watches? Uh, but obviously the, the three points are the most important thing. But I think to be fair to the, the players, um, I just think that they, they seem to have a mental block about playing in plastic. I don't know what it is. Um, I think you know 
what we, we spoke about off here that you've got a point about you know, a professional player should be able to handle the plastic, but they just there's just something about that body language. The only player that I thought really looked quite comfortable on it, despite him slipping about on the surface was Alfredo Morelos. And I think that's maybe something to do with the fact that he's probably a wee bit more used to playing in plastic, given that uh, some plastic surfaces in the, the Finnish league. So, aye, I think it's just a, a case of getting out of dodge with three points intact today, Colin, and we managed to do that. So, you know, credit where credit's due, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really was... I feared they were on the same road. It, it felt like the Livingston game today. I thought, you know, for long periods it felt like that. That, that similar sort of mood to it. The tempo was way off. Not not what was needed at all. I think obviously Hamilton, because they got a bit of a pumping last week off Hibs, I think they were always going to sit deep and, and that's how it happened. But the, how Rangers went about trying to get behind them was pretty poor. Again, I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I, I mean, I know I've had the, the debate about the pitches before, but I think these players should be able to handle it. You know, I, I know it's not ideal. I know the bounce is different. But to me, within 10, 15 minutes of playing on that surface, you should be able to, you know, you should have adapted to your surroundings. And I don't know if I'm if I'm overly keen to, to, to accept that as a reason for the performances. And they, they, they played really well at Kilmarnock. You know, they, they, they gave them a, a right going over that day. It could have been more than the 3-1 it was. And, and obviously they play in a an artificial surface so I don't know I, I, I think the surroundings might have had something to do with today the, the atmosphere was a bit flat I don't know but it's certainly becoming a bit of a thing there away from and I, I think it's something we need to we need to pick up on Pete coming to you uh, we look at the starting 11 today obviously Andy Halliday came in at left back Barisic is still injured and apparently funnily enough talking about the plastic pitches uh, Flanagan is, is not overly keen to play in these pitches. And Jordan Rossiter started his first game since I think it was a Hibs game, the, the last game of last season. Overall, do you think you got the team selection right today, Stevie G? Well, I'm not sure uh, that the likes of Jack, I, I take it they're, they're still injured. Uh, Rossiter was a surprise. Um, I, I, I take it he's wanting to get Rossiter into game time. Maybe a wee bit strange that it was in a, a plastic pitch that he brought him in when, when he's so injury prone. Maybe I expected Ross McCrory uh, in there instead of him. But uh, no, I, I, I don't know. don't really see much what he could have done. The only thing he might have went and tried uh, putting out Morelos for, for, for the game and, uh, and bringing in a, a striker that would have been tested for next week. But I, th- I think the way Morelos played, he was the only player that was sort of a good today. That uh, no, that that was proven a good decision. And really, this Rangers team can't can't couldn't even think of dropping Morelos at this point in time, to be honest, because uh, he is just a, he was involved in everything today. Uh, he scored uh, the assist for Kent and the penalty decision. So. No, it's. Uh, I, I don't think he could have done much other. I think that was a sort of a tried and or not tried and tested team, but the the team that sort of jumped out without Jack uh, being in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I was a wee bit surprised to see Halliday in there at left back, but you know, you, you were sort of given the explanation as to why in terms of Barisic is injured and and Flanagan is not keen to play on these surfaces. I've also heard that about Katic and and. Had, I thought his worst game for Rangers today he looked all over the shop. I've heard a rumour that he, he suffers from 
stiffness in the back after he plays on these surfaces. So I don't know if that, maybe that is having an impact. But I, th- I think you've maybe got a point about McCrory. I thought McCrory would have been maybe a better option today than, than Rossiter. And I think he'd it, it, it looked dead in his feet, you know, when he put the challenge, and I wouldn't even call it a challenge, for Hamilton's equaliser. It, it was it was really poor, a really poor challenge. So, yeah, we got there, though. That's the main thing. I suppose we got the result, but I, I, I just wonder if injuries are starting to, to, to impact on us a wee bit now because, you know, the, the starting 11, I thought, looked a wee, bit, a wee bit dented today. David, coming back to you, I think that I think we can all agree that the result flattered Rangers today. You know, four-one. You know, with five minutes to go, you just could never have predicted that that would would have been the the result. You know, that's a few games away from home. Obviously, the Livingston game really really flat. Played well at Petardry. Really unlucky not to get the result that day. Obviously, the last minute goal at Motherwell as well. Celtic Park was a, was a poor performance. Is this now something that we should be worrying about? The, the, I know we got the points today, but I feel if you were playing a, a, a stronger team than Hamilton, we might have come undone today. Is this something we now need to start worrying about? You know, is, is it becoming an inverted commas a thing? I think it's a, a genuine and legitimate concern, Colin. It's got to be. Um, you mentioned there right at the top of the show that it, it, it was almost like a, a rerun of the Livingston game today. And I think that happened back to, to the points I made on the, the, the pod that, that, that analysed the Livingston game. I, I, I said that um, Rangers struggle to break down pack defences. And I think that the, the possible exception of Ryan Kent today, there was no one that really looked as if they could unlock the door. You know, Hamilton, obviously, they came off the, the back of a thrashing at Easter Road in their last league game. Obviously, wanted to sit in, put 10 men behind the ball and, and keep it tight for as long as they could, as long as they could in the game. And uh, yeah, there's just there's a, a lack of there's a lack of creativity, genuine ability to, to unlock pack defences. When you, you mentioned there, when, you know, we're going to have to go to Easter Road and, and Tynecastle, and these other teams, they could possibly plenty into Rangers' hands, and they're not going to they're going to be less likely to to sit in uh, and and try and just you know basically stifle Rangers. Some of these teams are going to come out and try and put Rangers under pressure going forward. So. Um, but having said that, you know there, there's going to be teams, you know, in the, in the bottom half of the table that the Rangers are going to be expected to beat away from home, and it, it could well develop into something unless uh, the next away game, which is at, um, at Greenhill Road against St Mum, if Rangers put on a performance that day uh, and start building up some some momentum and, and some confidence away from home, um, then I think it'd be too early to to, to maybe you know jump to the conclusion that it's going to be a and a very common problem for the team. But you know that there's there's always that, you know, lingering doubt in your your mind as to whether uh, the, the team can can unlock a pack defence. And I think that until they, they take, you know, a, take a team apart by maybe sticking four or five. I know they scored four today and we said it was a you know it was flat and Rangers and it, it, they definitely did, but until they, they take a team apart be good flowing attacking football and cutting teams open it's always going to be lingering down in people's minds but David can I come in there you, you can't break down teams when you're playing walking football and that's, that's what it was today it was, it was just walking football I, look at the 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 possession 
Hamilton had 41% of the possession, and I've gotten written down, Goldson had 39% of the possession, and the rest of the Rangers team had 20%. I mean, it was just pass back to Goldson, get the ball, put it up to the, get it up to the last third, and then turn around again and go back to Goldson again. You're not going to break down teams like that. I agree. I, I totally agree with you, Pete. The, I, I think that the tempo is definitely an issue. You've seen that the other day, and Stevie Gerrard obviously said in his, his post-match comments that the tempo was too slow, but I don't know whether it's... it's, it's it's difficult to put your finger on it. Um, if, if Ryan Kent gets gets is nullified, I think Daniel Kandias tends to struggle. And, and you see the day that um, James Tavernier was again. James is always expected to, to drive the team forward. And uh, Ovi Ajari didn't have the greatest of games. Lasana Kuli Bali didn't have the greatest of games. Obviously, Jordan Ross, as you guys have mentioned, here, it's his first game back for a while. And uh, I don't particularly think he's he's all that well suited to being the, the whole midfielder in a midfield three. I'd prefer to, you know, him to be the, the box-to-box guy. But out of the three uh, midfielders on the pitch today, I think he was probably the best suited out of the, the three to play the, the whole midfielder. But aye, um, I, I totally agree with you, Pete. You need to be faster, but the same token, you need somebody with a bit of ability about them. A bit of, you know, just flair, skill. And the ability to take a man on. Ryan Kent's obviously got it. Daniel Kendace has got it up to a point, but he's pretty one-dimensional when it comes to to, to beating a man. He just tries to, to outpace players uh, and play one-twos, but typically tavern there. But, uh, but I think he's, he's going to need to try and find something else to unlock defences going forward, I think. I think but I, the puzzles me because at home, it's the total opposite. You know, that's, I think that's where the frustration Certainly, from from my sort of perspective, is you know at home we're, we're blowing teams away. You know we're getting behind them, in behind teams, no problem at Ibrox. You know, and teams better than Livingston and, and, and Hamilton. With, with all due respect to those teams, I know Livingston are having a good season. So I think that's the problem. I I I I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but certainly watching Rangers away from home this season, that, that all the issues that both these have mentioned there, the tempo. You know the lack of pace. They have a lot of possession, but it just goes up. You know, it's all in front of the opposing teams, and they don't work them hard enough. Uh, it just confuses me that we go from that to something else when we play at Ibrox. And whatever it is, whatever the issue is, I think Gerard needs to get it fixed soon because, you know, I think we've seen already that there's a tight pack of teams in there, and we need to be in there, as he said today up until Christmas, you know, and see where we are in terms of the European run. If we're still in, then we need to still be in that pack whenever the European run comes to an end so we can then make a, a proper go at it. But if it's going to become a thing, you know, if teams know that, that we struggle away from home, then that's what they're going to do. They're just going to sit with as many men behind the ball as possible and make it difficult for us. Pete, the, the, the sort of main two talking points sort of later in the game, uh, with the penalties, and uh, I've seen I've seen some colourful stuff on uh, social media from our separated brethren about you know Rangers were struggling, hence two penalties. Looked two Stonewallers to me. But did you make them? Did the ref get them right? Well, the first one definitely Stonewaller. Um, the guy tried to say that it, it hit his chest. Well, if if that ball hit his chest, then I've been fondling the wife in the wrong place for all these years. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he, he went down. 
his arm, he led with his arm down way and the ball hit him roughly about the the, the muscle in the arm. Uh, so it didn't go near his shoulder. It, it was midway down his arm, high to midway down his arm. So a definite penalty. I think for the second one, uh, the first time I looked at it, I thought, oh, that's never a penalty. But then you see he does uh, click his, his heels and uh, Morales' uh, legs get mixed up. With his, the, the, he kicks his own back thigh as well. But then the problem with me with that one was, was it intentional or was it not intentional? Because we're both running sort of at the same speed. And that's, I would say that's a weaker of the two that you could say, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was, but I don't think it was a stonewaller, but, uh, I think I would have been a bit disappointed that the referee gave it if it was a Rangers in the Rangers box. So that's the way I think about that one. I, I thought they were both. I've got to say, I, I thought they were both pretty much stick on. I agree the second one didn't look it. But when you've seen the replay, he definitely clips his heels. I, I think whether he means it or not is, is kind of irrelevant. You know, if, he, if he's brought him down, he's brought him down. So, no, I, I, I thought the ref I thought the ref got those two right, to be fair. David, obviously next week against Hearts, no Alfredo Morelos. He's suspended and kind of after he's cup-tied. Morelos today involved in all four goals, set up Kent for the first involved in both penalties and obviously scored the fourth. How important a player is he becoming for Rangers? He's vital, Carl. He's vital. His goals, he's, he's just, he's vital. When he's, he's on song, you've seen today there, the criticism that I le- the constructive criticism I levelled against him in the, after the Livingston game, you saw there today that he wasn't quite getting the chances, but he wasn't petulant. Um, he did get involved uh, with a wee altercation with, with Darren McKinnon where I think Darren McKinnon was trying to get him uh, to react uh, to possibly get him into trouble with the ref but I thought his, his all-round performance today was, was really good as uh, Pete's mentioned that he played a lovely ball through Ryan Kent for the, the opening goal and his, his gen, general play was, was pretty good he tried and he was his, his persistence was, was rewarded with his his, his goal there at the end, which was a, a cracking finish. You know, a finish uh, of a player confident, top corner, effortless, left-footed shot. It yeah. was excellent. So, I, I mean, he's, he's vital. He's going to be. He's going to be a big miss for the Aberdeen League Cup semi. Um, I just hope that he can he can uh, do the business against Spartak on Thursday. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think I think we'll miss him next week, uh, and. I think sort of. I mean, you've spoken there about the sort of criticism that he's received. I, th- I think he has deserved some of the criticism that's came his way, you know. But when he's on the, the sort of form that he was on today, you, you can't deny that the guy's a great player for Rangers and, a, and, a, and a, an important player for, for Rangers, you know. So yeah, and I, next week I, I, we'll, we'll talk about that later in the program. But it'll be interesting to see where we go next week because uh, you know we don't really have a recognised striker. The, you know, having a wee look at the fixtures today, we've got one away game in November uh, against St Mum. However, December, you know, we've got Tynecastle and, and Easter Road to, to visit. You know, surely, you know, if we want to get points on the road against these teams, we need to improve the sort of level of performance we're currently showing away from home. Well, I think 
the the one thing we've got we, when we're struggling, uh, it's against teams that sit back, and I don't think uh, Hibs and Hartsell at home at Easter Road or at Tyne Castle will go and sit back. So I think we've we've got that in our favour. St Mern, you I mean, again, you would expect uh, expect us to win at St Mern, but it it depends on the the Rangers team that turns up that day, and it's the same against Celtic. I mean, I, I'll. I'll Put back is put money on us to beat Celtic, but not if we go and no turn up like the way we did at Parkhead. That's a, it. Depends completely depends on the Rangers team that turns up. If we want to win the league, we're going to have to beat these teams away from home and at home, obviously, of course. But there's no there, when when we go to Easter Road and we go to Tynecastle, there'll be no hiding place. These players have got to go up and got to stand up and fight every inch of the grass and. That's uh, we've got to come away with points. I mean, we still get five points to catch up with Hearts, so that'll be three of them, hopefully. Every inch of the grass, I love that, Pete. I love that. Right, moving on now, and we'll take a wee look at it's a big, big week for Rangers this week. On Thursday night, we welcome Spartak Moscow to Ibrox, and then on Sunday, we're, we're over to Hamden Park to meet Aberdeen in the semi-final of the League Cup. So another big week, and and they've been coming thick and fast recently. You know, a real feeling that the club's moving forward. A lot of big games coming our way, which is a good feeling because you know it, it's a long time since we've felt like this. Really enjoyed the the rapid Vienna game. I must admit, I was there. The, the atmosphere that night was great. My boy's first European game. He was high past. You know, I think, I think it was a Sunday. He came back down, uh, just so high about the whole the whole night. So really looking forward to the Spartak game. Pete, I'll come to you first on this one. Again, another big European night. It's great to have them back. I think we can all agree about that. How do you fancy our chances uh, against Spartak Moscow? Again, I think we can beat everybody at Ibrox. Well, but we're not going into the Barcelonas and things like that. But the, the, in the, the league we're in, uh, I think we can beat everyone there at Ibrox. Um, Spartak, they've, they're a way record uh, this season. Uh, they've won two and drawn three. And they've not lost any, so that may be a, a sort of a pointer to, to how they play. They're really hard to break down, which is obviously a problem what we've 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 got and breaking down defences. But if we play anything like the way we played against uh, Austria Vienna, then uh, I, I, I can see us run running them up with them. They, I mean, they lost two 0 to to Austria Vienna, so yeah, I know that doesn't say everything. Because uh, yeah, obviously one result's not the same as the other result, but I think uh, I, I think we've got a really good chance to beat them, and we've got to beat them if we want to go around further. We've got to beat them because it's a big chance to do that. Yeah, as it's a good opportunity, you know, and you know, I think the Russian game it's obviously got a bit of money in it these days. But no, I, I, I think Rangers, if, as, as you said there, if they replicate the performance against Rapid Vienna, then I don't think we'll be far away. David, I was having a wee look at, you know, doing a wee bit of research today. Uh, Spartak's away record in Europe is, is really pretty patchy. Uh, they've only had one win in their last 14 away games. Given where, where Rangers are, are coming from here, obviously coming off the back, a really good result in a rapid game, unbeaten in 10 games now in Europe, I think. You know, surely it'll be a very, very sort of similar night to, to, to the rapid Vienna game, you know, two close teams, but we should really fancy ourselves now. I would hope so. 
I'll be told, so I, I wouldn't get too carried away. Um, I think we, we, we want to approach the game in a similar manner as to how we approach the rapid game. Obviously, we came off the back at poor result against Livingston and uh, the, the players you know, had to put in a performance to, to make up for that and they did that, thankfully. I um, just noticed today Spartak get beat um, at home by Arsenal 2, they beat 3-2 which leaves them sitting seventh in the Russian Premier League. So they have not got their, their problems to seek just now. So, you know, the, the, the form book would suggest, uh, especially in light of the record uh, away from home in Europe, would suggest that, that Spartak are there for the taking. But they've got good players. Um, Andy Kinchelskis during the week came out and uh, he predicts that it'll be a hard game for Rangers. Um, I don't know whether they've got a few Brazilian players, the Spartak, and the Spartak side. So I just hope that Stevie gets the, the players fired up. The players themselves want to deliver, deliver a performance. And it's as you rightly said, I mean, the, the, the carrot is there for them to collect another three points, keep themselves top of the group and give, them, give ourselves a really excellent opportunity to progress out this group and, and secure European football after Christmas for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I, I, I really would. I, it's, it really is a big opportunity for Rangers on Thursday night, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm just after the because it's been so long since you know I've, I've, I've had a night like that. You know, the Rapid Vienna game. You know, there, there might have been a time when Rapid Vienna wouldn't have been as, as as big a night as it was. You know, but given where we've been over the last few years, you know, I, I was looking forward to that game all week. You know, I mean, I couldn't get to any books quick enough. And it lived up to it. You know, the atmosphere was was, was superb. And if we, if we get that again, if I think if the crowd are up to it and they can they can lift the players, then I think we've got a really, really good chance of uh, of, of getting the three points. Pete, if we do, if we do get the, the three points, that'll as, as David said there, we'll remain top of the group and that'll be the halfway stage and we'll go on seven points. Surely seven points, surely one more win out of the last three games. Would be enough to even maybe secure second place. Surely you would be qualifying with ten points. Certainly be qualifying with ten points. Obviously things depend on how other results go. Um, I don't see Spartak beating Villarreal uh, in Spain. I believe they're playing. Um, so I don't. I think if we beat Spartak, that's them out of the race. Uh, then it depends what Rapid do against Villarreal. I think if Villarreal win. And Rangers win, no, then it really we can only throw it away. Put it that way, we, we, we can't throw it, we can only throw it away ourselves. Well, we've done it before, you know. I've seen us win, I'm sure, on two occasions we've, in the Champions League. We've won our first two games and still ended up not qualifying. But I think you're right, it would be us throwing it away, you know. If, if we get seven points after Thursday, if we're on seven points, I think we're in a really, really strong position. I think the, the, the year we beat Leon at home, away 3-0, with the Wallace goal, I think I think we missed out on that one, didn't we? Right at the end up. The two, the two I remember, we beat, we beat Monaco. I'm sure we won our first two games that year. I can't remember who we played in the first game. I think it was at Strum Graz. We beat Strum Graz in the first game and we beat Monaco 2-0, sorry, 1-0 away from home. That put us on six points. And then the, the year that you're talking about, Pete, yeah, when we beat Leon, that was the second game, and we were on six points after that, because I'm sure we'd beaten the German team at Ibrox. I can't quite mind who it was now. But 
we've been here before, you know, winning games early doors and then not getting over the line. But I, I, I just feel seven points after three games, and as you say, other teams are cutting each other's throats. I think that would put us in a strong position. It would be a, a bit of a cave-in if we didn't get through after that, I think. David, moving on to Sunday, a uh, big semi-final against Aberdeen. Obviously, we've said earlier, there's no Morelos or Lafferty. Is is this something we should be worried about? I'm concerned, Colin. Um, today, again, I, I hate harping back to it, but creating chances is, is going to be an issue. Where the goals are going to come from, you're, you're asking midfielders to, to step up to the plate and possibly, you know, your um, Ryan Kent's and maybe your Eros Gresda's, I don't know. It's... It's difficult to see. Um, Big Sadiq. I honestly can't see Umar Sadiq playing, Colin. I know he was on the bench today, but that was probably a necessity, um, just in case of injuries and whatnot. But yeah, you never know. I mean, I think Stevie said in his, his, his press match conference there a couple of days back that, that I think it was uh, either Chris Jack or, or Luke Shanley put the question to him that um, has, has Umar been improving? And Stevie said uh, that he had been improving in training. So, you may well prove me wrong, but yeah, it could, it could well be an issue, but hopefully I'm, I'm going to remain upbeat and positive. I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll turn up at Hamden, especially if we got a result on Thursday against Spartak, and I think we'll, uh, we'll progress to the final. I think, it'll, I think it'll be a tight game, as it normally is against Aberdeen. I just hope that uh, there's no um, underhand tactics employed by Derek McInnes and his, and his team, um, and we can rise to the occasion and fire ourselves in at the final. Pete, who do you think uh, Stevie G will start as his main striker? Well, he's got three choices recently. Uh, three choices, hasn't he? Um, Sadiq, uh, for me, uh, he can also start with Middleton or Gresda. That's the, that's the three people where who I would say would will come into contention. Who he'll do it? I, I don't see it being Sadiq because uh, I, I don't see Sadiq ever getting a game for Rangers. I think he'll. Be put back to where's it? He plays for in, in Italy. Yeah, I think he'll get Roma. He'll get put back to Roma in uh, in, in January at the beginning of the season when when Rangers actually sent him out or, or, or signed him. I know the the, the players from the NEC. They they're the supporters from NEC. They were sort of saying, well, he was great for about five games and then he disappeared. So they weren't that, that really worried about him going. Who will he play? I would. Personally, I would like to see Middleton because I think Middleton's proved he scored. He can score goals, and I haven't really seen enough of Gresda. I question his fitness because, uh, similarly against Albania, although he played ninety minutes, he was uh, he looked like he was two months off of full fitness. So, uh, I would go for Middleton myself, but I don't know what the boss will do, obviously. Do you not think there's a chance he might go with Ryan Kent? No, I don't see. I don't see him taking Ryan Kent away from the the midfield and uh, uh, the, the, he's, Ryan Kent's running is far too important for Rangers, and I don't think Ryan Kent would be such a great player with a player in his back all the time. The likes of what Morelos does, I don't see Ryan Kent ever being that kind of player. And I think the yeah, if you're going to go for Kent, and obviously the same as goes for Middleton. You're, you're going to then be looking for through balls that they can run on to with speed. Uh, the Rangers will need to put on a different kind of game, really, because uh, 
There's no way Kent and Middleton are going to take the ball with players in their back. It's going to be a completely different game. So I don't think I, I don't see them taking Kent away from the midfield or, or the the wing midfield. To be honest, David, do you not think that that's asking a lot of Glenn Middleton? Though, no, that's that's what I would sort of. I, I actually think Middleton might start on Sunday, but I think he might start in Kent's position out wide, and they'll move Kent one in. Because I think Kent's shown recently that he's a no bad finisher. Aye, I would say I would agree with that. It's it's a heck of a lot to ask a young lad to, especially it's not like a lot of game time this season to to, to take the responsibility of playing through the middle against against Aberdeen or Cubs. Anyway. But then again, you know, there's, there's, it wouldn't be the first time a young guy had been pitched into a big game in, at Hamden and. And came up and done the business. So I was going to say that. What about Big Derek Johnson? Derek Johnson, you used to remember him. Well, that's that. So yeah, you never know. You never know. Maybe maybe Glenn's a man to fire us, fire us to the, the final. I think it's a bit surprising today, though, that he never sort of brought anybody in to to try it out. But I suppose it it was because the only really action was in the last ten minutes. So, but when we were at one one with eighty minutes to go, it's not the right time to try different things. Obviously, well, well, I, I, I mean that's another issue. But CVG, I know it's a few people commenting today. You know, people saying that he's maybe a wee bit slow to make changes at times when things aren't working, and then, and it's maybe something that I would agree with. I think he could have shake you know shaked it up a wee bit the day, but before he did, but. You know, I suppose at the end of the day we got the result and that was the main thing. David, obviously last year we reached the two semi-finals. We got the semi-final against Motherwell and that was a disaster. And the semi-final Scottish Cup against Celtic and that was an even bigger, bigger disaster. That was a shambles. After those defeats, you know, how important is it that Rangers take that next step and, and make a major final? It's obviously a paramount importance, Colin. We want to resume our foot the support perceives to be a rightful place in the, the Scottish game. We've got to be making finals on a regular basis and this is the, the first opportunity to, to do so. Also, obviously, represents the first uh, opportunity for silverware in the season uh, and that would that would be uh, a massive step. And obviously, with it putting the, the, the cart before the horse, where Rangers to go in and, and lift the League Cup, that would represent a massive step in the normalisation, the further normalisation of the club after our European exploits this season. So, Yes, it's it's vitally important, and it's you know Rangers in a final from a, a public exposure, certainly in a British sense, even in, in a European sense, it's it's, it's vital, and uh, the fans need something to to go along and, and get behind. And I think you you mentioned a point of the, the last point that we were on about youngsters uh, not getting a chance to go to big games and and see trophies getting lifted. So it's vital for that perspective as well. So yeah, we've we've, we've got to we've got to turn up. And, and do the business, and we've got to be, got to be Rangers. I want a better expression, and just get it done, get to the final, and, and hopefully put on two performances that can see us lift the league up for a to extend our, uh, our our record in that competition. And we're playing a Diddy team that can't even sell ten thousand tickets. <laughs> well, there is that, there is that. But I, I, I think uh, I, I, I've got to agree with David. I think out of all the seasons since since you know we've been on the journey coming back up the road from from the, the, the sort of lower tiers, you know, there, there has been more this season that, that has made it feel like we're getting back to where we should be. You know, obviously David spoke about European run, even off the park, stuff like this, the, the kits, you know, this issue with, with Sports Direct. I know it's rumbling on a wee bit, but the fact that I, I, I was walking down our Gale Street a couple of weeks ago there, 
walked past JD Sports and there was a Rangers kit in the, in the shop window. And I've not seen that for a long time. You know what I mean? Or certainly not a kit that people were prepared to buy. You know, so just all these little things are just sort of adding to the feeling that things are getting back to normal. And the next obvious step is to win a trophy. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally agree with everything that David says there. Win next week, get to the final and give ourselves a real opportunity to put something back in that cabinet again because it's long overdue. One thing I've I, I seen from the week because there was a court case on during the week and the Rangers lawyer seemed to do very good, but uh, Sport Direct tried to get uh, the judge to vote that, or to to uh, rule. The, the, to rule. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Colin. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Thank you. That's uh, the, uh, <laughs> all the kit was sent to JD Sports, our, our, our Sports Direct uh, shops, and obviously the Rangers store is allowed to sell them. So his old contract was, and the judge voted against it. So Rangers are allowed to put them out to other options now. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. There is that a sense of it's. In, in some issues like the cat, it's taken longer. But I think this season more than any other, and I think the European run has been a big part of that. There's a feeling that we are a proper big club again, and that all these things that have been holding us back, slowly but surely, one by one, they're, they're you know they're getting brushed to the side, and there's a sense of normality around the place again. So it's all good. Right, moving on again, and we're just going to have a wee quick roundup of all the stuff that sort of happened when we were off on our holidays. You know, we were off last week because of the international break, so there was no pod, and there was it was actually quite a busy week, and off the park especially. There was lots of stuff going on, so I thought we'd run that past the guys and get the sort of views on a few of those things. Uh, first things first, guys, quick questions to the two years. Obviously, there was a Paul Gascoigne Hall, Hall of Fame shambles, for want of a better phrase. You know, he was nominated, then they took it off him because of various incidents in his private life back in the day. Pete, I'll come to you first. What's your views on this? Uh, it was absolutely shock. The SFA knew uh, Paul Gascoigne's history long before. I mean, it's well documented. You, you can see it anywhere. And it's obviously that the, the SFA, they just seem to react uh, to, to a couple of guys say, well, we're not going to dinner. No. Bloody hell, who the hell cares when you come to dinner? No, but uh, it's absolutely shocking the, the way a guy that's suffering from mental health issues, uh, they know all the problems he's got, to give him the hope, oh, I've got a nice day out, I've got, I'm getting taken into the Scottish Hall of Fame, and then to turn around at the last minute and say, oh, no, sorry, we're not getting it because of all the troubles you've got. And the, not even the fact that they just came out and said, listen, You've got too much of a history. Uh, we're not giving you it. No, it's because you, you, your health isn't up to it at this moment. Did they have a line from the doctor that said that, that, that Paul Gascoigne is not fit enough to, to get it just now? It's absolutely shocking, terrible. And uh, 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 the, the SFA, they're just hopeless, absolutely hopeless. So they are. David, it did, it did feel a bit shambolic to me and it felt quite spiteful I thought you know it came over <sighs> I just thought the whole thing came over really poor and, and the, the people behind it should really be hanging their heads in shame and surely the powers would be that you know when they, they were going through the process of deciding who they were going to nominate they had all that information about Gascoigne I mean there's nothing new came out with Paul Gascoigne they knew all this and you know the issues he had the domestic abuse and all the rest of it they knew all that 
So surely the, 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 they should have considered that before making the, their initial announcement. Definitely, definitely. I've, I mean, I must confess that um, Neil Cameron's article in the Herald, which I thought was shocking. Of course, it was. It was. It was nothing short of a hatchet job on him. It was character assassination. And um, Pete's made mention that it's, it's, it's a public nomination process, apparently, uh, and it's not the SFA Hall of Fame, um, which is obviously to do with we represent Scotland, but. For some reason, the SFA have, uh, it looks as if they've got the, the power of veto over this. So, um, I mean, to, to, to cite his, his mental health issues, was, and especially in two days after, or a day after mental health, World, World Mental Health Day, I mean, it was it was bad taste. But again, it's, it's, it's pretty standard practice for this part of the world. Everyone seemed to be skirting around about the, the real issue at hand, which was... This is a Rangers player, and you know he's, he's English. He's English, of course. Yeah. That's, that's 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 very important in this instance, I think. Um, and yeah, he's, 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 his private life from from twenty odd years ago was dragged up. I know he's, he's had some transgressions recently. Um, are we um, inducting angels into the Hall of Fame? I mean, there's there's numerous players uh, with. Questionable past, Huey Gallagher being one, uh, but you know, not a mention about that. Uh, I just thought, I, I think when you boil it all down, I think you, you had the nail on the head, Con. It's just bad taste, and it was embarrassing. Yet another instance of Scottish football embarrassing itself, you know, in, in, in the eyes of the the public, especially in light of the uh, the, the semi final Sunday fiasco. I mean, it was just, it was, you're just shaking your head in disbelief, and it was, it was shocking. But um, Gaza, obviously, he uh, saw the funny side of it. And, and yeah. There's <laughs> a couple of funnies on his Twitter feed. Which, uh, well, that was that. He, he, he had to shut down his Twitter and all the rest of it for a couple of days. Though. I think he was getting so much abuse. Was he? I, I think all his sort of channel shut down for a couple of days. I think it, it just, I think there was just so much happening. But yeah, you're right. He came back and sort of gave them the, 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 the virtual two fingers, you know. But... I just I agree with pretty much everything you say there, David. It, it just felt like uh, quite a vindictive and spiteful act. And you, you've made a good point that there, there are people already in there with questionable sort of background. So, so Pete, is, is, does the, the decision not to to put Gascoigne in this Hall of Fame does that now set a precedent that you know we've got to proactively? review people's characters before they get inducted and do we now have to go back and review people that are already in there and say well actually you don't match the criteria so we're, we're going to take you out now you know because it seems to me that Paul Gascoigne was getting held to a criteria that no one else was. No I think that's definitely true but I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is there just seems to be a, a, a move to stop anything Rangers at the moment if you if you take this the Gascoigne incident if you take the the move to for the the Dornan made to, to stop the Rangers uh, hiring that pitch for a fan, fan zone, uh, everything and I, I think it's just just it's just all been set up by groups that uh, think oh well we can we can stop Rangers and I mean it was even the uh, just taking it really stupid the, the the girl that went into Big Brother there was uh, within hours. There was they, they had found a tweet that was in 2010 or something like that, 
and she get thrown out of the programme. So there just seems to be anything that Rangers get advantage from or, or, or come into the light from, then they just seem to build up a, a, a group that's going to try and scuttle it. And that's, that's just my meaning. That's, that's the way I feel. And it's absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. Yeah, there does, I, I can't disagree, Pete. You know, there, there does seem to be a feeling of there are, there are organisations out there proactively sort of, I don't want to use the word agenda and conspiracies and all these things, but you know, we're, we're going to have a wee talk about the BBC uh, later in the show as well. You know, they've shown again that if they can, you know, stick the stick the boot in, they will. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm seeing a lot more of it than I used to, and and this was another example. And how it was handled was was, was absolutely shocking. David, obviously, we've spoke already about the semi final on Sunday. Now there was a wee bit of a a stooshy, I think it's maybe the best phrase to put it, over the ticket. Sabaldine kicked up a stink when, you know, the semi-final, when the draw happened. They said they wanted 50-50. Uh, they demanded about 21,000 tickets. They've sold <laughs> 9,000 and they've had to hand back 5,000. Have they just, have, have Aberdeen, I saw some Aberdeen fans celebrating this, which is bizarre. Have Aberdeen and their supporters just sort of proved that they're a, as, as Pete said, a diddy club? Well, they've, they've proved that they certainly can't sell an allocation. I know that there was there was obviously some uh, disquiet amongst the the corridors of power at the, the SPFL with regards to how Aberdeen were selling their tickets in terms of they couldn't, you know, they're selling blocks of, of tickets um, for, you know, the best vantage points within the, the North Stand and uh, then parts of the, the East Stand. So, yeah, they, they, I mean, for, for them to, to demand a 50-50 split and then not even sell, you know, they struggle to sell 10,000 briefs just shows you that the, the fans themselves don't have confidence in their, their team to turn up at hand and, and beat Rangers. Um, otherwise, they, they, they'd have been snapped up. Now, you know, Aberdeen fans being... Like they are, they may well say, ah, they'll, they'll you know, put a spin in it and say, ah, it's a protest about the late kickoff time on a Sunday and you know, we've got issues with travelling and getting back late up the road and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that doesn't really wash me. Chris Boyd, he, he made a point of saying that the Rangers, um, when they play Aberdeen at Petaudry, more often than not, I've got to make lunchtime kickoffs at, in Aberdeen and uh, we don't seem to complain about it. And, You've got Rangers supporters travelling to the four corners of the United Kingdom. So, um, I just, I mean, it's, it's, when you boil it, I mean, Aberdeen, can you sell 10,000 briefs for a cup semi? It says it all, doesn't it? It does really, aye. And, and the fact, you know, Derek McInnes came out last week uh, and stated, you know, that he was comfortable in the amount of tickets that, you know, Aberdeen sold and said that even in Alex Ferguson day, you know, when Aberdeen were winning leagues and cups and all the rest of it and the, the European Cup Winners Cup you know when they, were, when they were a bit of a force he said even then Aberdeen would only take around 10,000 to Glasgow so Pete if that's the case why did they, why did they demand 20,000 tickets? Yeah they just uh, they, they just want to be a pain in the backside about it that's uh, that's the biggest thing and it's just a a way of uh, getting Rangers or, or sticking two fingers up at the SFA, which is I think as well, and at Rangers, and we'll we'll we want half the field, and they even sold half the ground. Sorry, they even sold the tickets next to the Rangers supporters that 
if they didn't sell tickets, that the, the the SFA were going to give Rangers that that section of the stand. So they've just been trying to upset everybody, and that's that's just the way Aberdeen is. If you can't be a good a big club in the in the field, then uh, be a big club be getting up everybody's nose. Well, I mean, I I, I believe that the fans that have bought tickets for that part of the ground are now being told that they're being reallocated. To me, all of this could have been avoided. It just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed an absurd sort of nonsense argument. You know what I mean? If I don't think Aberdeen were ever confident that they were going to sell 20,000 tickets. Listen, go on. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, supporters that sing about somebody breaking somebody else's leg in the Durant case. Yeah. Well, we'll know. We'll know. Messi supporters. We'll know. No. Miss them. No. No. But they're, they're costing clubs money as well, guys. I mean, the the the, the fact that they, they couldn't sell their allocation um, was it was going to cost not only themselves money, but Rangers, Hearts, and Celtic money. And that's why the league they, they stepped in, and uh, I've, I've recited the, the the tickets that have, that they've already sold, so that they can. Um, for segregation purposes, sell additional tickets to, to Rangers. But, you know, you look at that, even when you boil it all down, there's Rangers fans are going to subsidise other clubs yet again. And uh, it's, it's the whole thing just, it's, 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 it's yet another incident, or sorry, instance of the, the amateurish nature of Scottish football, I'm afraid. Hating ourselves to death, as it yeah, is. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, 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 that phrase gets used a lot now. I see it quite a lot on social media. And you have to kind of agree with it, you know. I mean, I think the Gascoigne incident's another one that shows it. You know, it's it's just, just really, really poor. Hey guys, there was another wee incident when we were, we were on our holidays, and that was again related to the, the semi-final against Aberdeen, where the, the about the tickets to shit. They, they they published a photograph of Aberdeen fans on their social media. I think it was on Twitter, and it, it showed a photo of you know the severed head of. Of Ryan Jack. They've since removed the photo and apologised. Uh, David, BBC up to their usual tricks, or do you think this was a genuine mistake? Up to their usual tricks, Colin. Let's, let's call it what it is. When Gary Holt uh, mentioned about Livingston's pitch on the BBC's website, it was Rangers players that were uh, doing their pre-match walk onto the surface. That's not, those things don't happen by accident. That's, uh, that's a, a directed and concerted campaign. Uh, and that's not even paranoid. It's, it's happened to you, you, honest mistakes happen, but it seems to be a litany of honest mistakes by BBC Pacific Key. And uh, quite frankly, it's it's beyond a joke now. And um, for that uh, photograph with the banner by Graham Shinney holding Ryan Jack's severed head was was disgusting. And uh, the BBC, given that it's uh, funded by uh, the taxpayers should hang their heads in shame, and um, uh, just this, just yet another uh, instance of their biased agenda against Rangers Football Club. Pete, would you echo that, or do you think it was a genuine mistake? No, the way I think, if if, if you take it, how how many million photos the BBC will have of Aberdeen supporters over the years, and you could have even had them lifting cups or whatever uh, from from years ago. And they pick out the one where Shinny's got Jack's head in it. No, well, I, I think it's quite obvious. I think that's uh, it's just part of the BBs. Remember the the, the Thompson Thompson cunt 
uh, sorry for swearing, but uh, that's the way it was. Uh, the photo, and uh, when when you when you move the mouse, uh, that that scene come up. It's it's just been the BBC have just had so much uh, things. The, the Ali McCoy's falling out the window. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's just obviously it's just a setup to to bring down Rangers or to do things to hurt Rangers. Uh, I mean, we we spoke. We had a sort of special pod about it a few weeks back there, and I, I mean, I think it had already reached a point of you know, I think it's embarrassing actually for the BBC how they conduct themselves. But I mean, I think the incident in hand that we're talking about that's just another example of 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 where they are, you know, and and I don't see any end to it soon either. To be honest, I, I think it's going to continue a pace. So I, I know there was a sort of feeling. And some of the, the topics, uh, sorry, sorry, some of the conversations we had during that pod that, you know, maybe Stephen Gerrard would provide leverage because the BBC would want back in. You know, so far I don't see any evidence of that. I think things will continue as they are. Well, I believe McLaughlin's been even put in a higher position now, so it might even get worse. Yeah, he's away, well, he's away from the sports stuff. So, uh, aye, it's, I, I just don't see it improving anytime soon. It's editorial control, Colin. Um, when you boil it all down, you, know, you, you can get subordinates making mistakes, but um, either there's gross incompetence in Pacific Key, which I, I doubt. Um, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be an element of incompetence that you get in every organisation, of course, but it's part of a concerted campaign, and there's a, a distinct lack of editorial control. I mean, you can go back years, that's before... Um, Certainly before the administration, there were instances where Rangers have been maligned by BBC employees, which I'll, I'll, I'll no name, but you don't need a genius to, to work out who they are. But yeah. um, it's just, it's, you say, it's, it's embarrassing. And uh, there doesn't seem to be any, any you know, end in sight. Um, there's, obviously, there's, there's guys that, that monitor the BBC's uh, output with regards to Rangers and it doesn't matter if it's in the radio if it's online uh, or if it's in television we are, we are slighted uh, on a regular basis and uh, unless someone um, in senior management and, and BBC Network down in London step in um, then it looks as if it's just going to continue Right, just one final item before we finish up for today, and that's obviously the, the save quote of the week. Pete, I believe you've got one. Yeah, it was, it was also from the, the Kerrydale Meltdown uh, site, and I thought it was really funny, is uh, uh, what someone on the site said, Berham Kyle, on his days a better player than Gascoigne ever was. <laughs> and and that, really, that really got me. <laughs> I can't even, you want to know something, Pete? I can't mind who this Berham Kyle is. So maybe it was a bit of, maybe it was a bit well, of. Well, I must admit, I, I had to go into Wikipedia to find and, out who it was. Google, aye, I'm like, who's <laughs> this boy again? Uh, aye, aye. I've got one as well, actually. Uh, you're probably aware that Kelty Hearts appointed Barry Ferguson last week. So they've, when they've announced that on Twitter, you know, breaking news, uh, Kelty Hearts have officially announced their new first team manager. Uh, as Barry Ferguson, this guy's came back. He's uh, his name's Connor at C99L. He's like despicable that you're appointing a man who's an EBT recipient of upwards of two million. Two words won't be back. <laughs> <laughs>
Quite enjoyed that one. <laughs> Cowton, Cowton was never the strong point. I will, well, uh, you know, this is a guy who is apparently an expert on a, a sophisticated tax avoidance scheme, but you know, can he count to three? But there you go. That's that's just that's that's just them summed up, really, isn't it? You know. Right before we go tonight, Pete, I think you've got something you want to say. Yeah, I just want to mention the. A guy that's got a, a website on Rangers Youth is El Fidelo. He's been doing it for 10 years. And as, if you want to know anything about the Rangers Youth System, the academy, then it's, his blog is really worth tuning into. You can, you'll get it in any of the main Rangers, Rangers websites, uh, Follow Follow, or here on the Jersnet, of course. And it's really worth following the guy because he, there's not a lot he doesn't know about the Rangers youth system. I just want to say that and uh, many happy returns with your 10th birthday. Right, guys, thanks for joining us. That's, that's all for this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. A big thanks to Pete and to David for joining us, especially David who sort of came in at the very last second there. Big thanks to our audio engineer, Graham, who's listening in, I know, and always makes everything sound wonderful. Don't have any news about next week's show, but obviously it's a big week coming up at, at at Rangers this week we've got the, the game against Spartak on Thursday and then the semi-final against Aberdeen on Sunday so there'll be plenty to talk about next week we'll have an update then please if you've listened to the podcast and you've enjoyed it then please get out there on the social media and let everybody know subscribe to the podcast do what you can to get the message out there let people know that we're here in the meantime get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Lots of stuff on there, previews, match reviews, opinion columns, and the forums. Well, it's just a load of Rangers supporters talking to one another, so what more do you want, people? So that's it for this week. Until the next time, I'll see you again.